He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Lexington, Kentucky, here's Bruno DiGiulio. Hey, welcome. This is Bruno DiGiulio, and uh, I got my buddy Ron Flatter from Las Vegas. Ronnie. Yes, sir. We're glad to have you on board. Good to be on board anywhere. After last week, I was... I was oh. so ridden with the flu, man. I'm telling you, don't get yeah. this. Not, yeah, not I and I tested tested negative for COVID, but man, did I ever have the flu? Oh, still got it. Hey, you can look at it this way: you didn't test positive. Yeah, but you know what I got wasn't fun either. There. No, but what I'm saying, you didn't get a positive. Yeah, well. <laughs> that seems to be going around lately. Yeah, let's let's see how this flu comes out. If I if get go get the damn flu shot. That's my advice to anybody right now. After what I dealt with last week, get the damn flu shot. Oh, what about that breaking news that Gamine? Have you looked into that at all? Gamine positive for Baffert out of the Oats. I talked to Baffert. Oh, what did he say? He says that it's unfortunate that again the process didn't get to go through all of its machinations before part of the story leaked, but he said that he was told by Kentucky veterinarians that the drug would be out of Gamine's system within 14 days. So to try and err on the safe side, they gave it to her 18 days before the Oaks, and there was still a trace level of it in her, and that's where they tested positive. So he's not denying it. He says, though, that, and he says also that he's all for these trace tests and these low, small levels and the science that goes with them, but he doesn't feel like the regulators have caught up with the science on this and that, okay, he's got to be better. He admits it. And go forward from there. But he feels badly for the horse. He feels like the horse, they gave the horse what was prescribed by a veterinarian within the parameters that they thought were going to be fine. And onward they went. And all of a sudden, they were surprised by the, the positive test. Reminds us a lot of what happened in 2016 with masochistic when Ron Ellis gave him a drug that was legal in California and was supposed to be out of his system by the time Breeders' Cup testers got to him. Well, by that point, it was too late. And this was before out-of-competition testing and the sharing of information was allowed between jurisdictions and so forth in 2017. In fact, the masochistic case is really the, the big reason we have out-of-competition testing now. So in a lot of ways, they're similar. But Baffert also warned, look, there's a lot of things that are different about these cases that you just can't use one to apply to another. So it's murky, and whether you want to believe his explanation or not, that's fine. I get it. There are those who say, look, that's just, it's just another case of Baffert getting around rules or whatever. I, I hear that. But it just illustrates, Bruno, how difficult it is to try to get your arms wrapped around all these things. Even when you think you've got a handle on it, then you get another case where you go, wait a minute, here's another fly in the ointment of exceptions. And I think they had two flies in the ointment. Today, at 11 o'clock Eastern Time, Pollock report, reported mm -hmm. that the CHRB had filed a complaint against Baffert after his trainee, Murnath, tested positive for dextorphan this summer. 
Marinette, who earlier this year was third in the grade two Santa Anita Oaks, received a po positive test post-race after she finished second in the fourth race at Del Mar on July 25th. That's the daughter of American Pharaoh for the Prince Sultan bin Mashal Al Saud. If I can pray, I never pronounce those names correctly. But um, there was a September 17th complaint about it, and a hearing is set on November 12th. So here's the interesting comment from Baffert to Pollock Report that a number of his staff was sick with COVID during the summer, including Myrna's groom. And he says he learned that he, he had been taking over-the-counter cuff syrup that contained the Stortifan. Um, here's another contamination. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, did you ever move, did you ever, did, one of my favorite movies is Hunt for Red October. When at the end of the movie, the Russian ambassador says, we have another embarrassing uh, thing to ask for your help. And the Secretary of State from the U.S. says, yes. And he says, we can't, we have not heard from one of our submarines. And, and the U Secretary of State says, you lost another submarine? Right, right. So you got another contamination? Right. And and by the way, on that report with the latest thing on Baffert, it was one of five involving other horses and trainers, etc. But because Baffert's name was on there, that's underscored. And I understand that. He's the name right now. He's been in the news for good, bad, and otherwise. So, yes, it's there's an old line, Bruno, that says that, and it illustrates another thing that came up this week. There's an old line I learned in news that the Queen Mary sailed safely across the ocean today is not news. If the Queen Mary sinks, it's news. I get <laughs> exactly. That. Right. Now, right. and to that point, and I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to derail you completely here into another area, but Santa Anita had a clean meet. No breakdowns, no fatalities. I know it's a shorter meet. It's not the winter-spring meet. It's, but still, for Santa Anita to have had a clean meet with no breakdowns and no fatalities, I would say that that is news against what was happening a year ago and a year and a half ago. But I, And I pointed it out on Twitter. I said, did Channel 2 and Channel 4 and Channel 5 and Channel 7 and Channel 9 and Channel 11 and CNN send their crews to Santa Anita to report that side of the story? Because I know those crews know how to get there and I said, I'll hang up and listen. So that's part of the story, too. And so there's that's the thing. It's like you said, you lost another submarine. Okay, well, you had another fatality. Oh, but wait, now how about against that, against that framework, how about the fact that there were no fatalities in Santa Anita? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of ways to approach these stories, and it's easy to jump on the negative. I get it. Queen Mary didn't make it across today. Or but... my favorite one would be, we're here live at Santa Anita, and we have had no breakdowns or fatalities. All me. Details at 11. Right. right. Remember when the Malaysian airplane went down 
in the Indian Ocean? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. A few years ago, and now I guess there's been yet another possible sighting of it on the bottom of the ocean or something, anyway. But I remember I was working in a newsroom. Dad and the Loch Ness Monster, right? Yeah, well, you're right. And, and to that point, you need to say, okay, yeah, well, it's another crazy sighting. But for several days, every time somebody found a piece of driftwood by helicopter from the ocean, there was a bullet. Nope, here's a sign. There could be the, the jetliner might be found yet. Well, they still haven't found it. And, and so we overreact and underreact to these things for a few days when they are in the news. But it's like you say, Bruno, when you start to get these stories, it's like you say about workouts. If you tell me that a horse went one minute and three-fifths for five furlongs, and that's all you tell me, there's a great deal more to be told to these stories, and I submit that it's the same thing with all these drug positives. Well, it's... The same thing can be said about stats. Oh, yes. I, I see a lot of people throwing out stats. Oh, well, this guy is 35% with this particular uh, move. Yeah. A lot of the times people don't understand that that's 35% if you bet or an ROI. Let's say he's got a 3.22 ROI. Well, that's mm -hmm. for if you bet every single one of that type of play. Mm -hmm. Then you mm -hmm. get your 35%. Then you get your ROI. But knowing horse players, how many guys... Well, say, ah, I'm not playing that horse. That horse got no chance. Boom. There's your $60 winner. There's your ROI. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's just interesting to me. You know, I, and that's something that um, we're going to be talking about a little bit more. Um, we've got uh, Churchill started on Sunday. Um, mm -hmm. We've had a, We had a really good day. We had a couple of double digits horses. We should have had seven winners on the card. We had about three or four seconds. Uh, very, uh, very, uh, very excited about the remainder of the meet. But we got a couple of big days coming up soon, don't we? Yeah, I've heard about that. I guess it's uh, coming up a week from Friday and a week from Saturday, and you know, several million dollars in purses. Oh yeah, the Breeders' Cup coming to Keeneland, and we're going to start to see signs of life in our past performances because we can actually start to put. Horses with draw positions and their and their post positions, I should say, and jockey assignments and whatnot. And we're starting to see some news now, but we still have a lot of blanks yet to be filled in, not the least of which is which race will Swiss Skydiver go in? Which race will Vacoma go in? I mean, we kind of know based on where the leanings are, but we don't know 100%, and until we see those on paper then it, it's still subject to speculation. But next Monday evening, we're going to get the post-position draw. And on Wednesday, if you're listening to this when we posted it on Tuesday night, that would therefore be tomorrow. So Wednesday the 28th, we're going to get the list of pre-entries for the Breeders' Cup. And for the cross-entered horses, we'll see first and second preferences and so forth. So we might get a clue about Swiss Skydiver. We may, may get a clue about Vacoma. Well, it, well, let me ask you. I think she's going to run. You, we just don't know which race is going in. Distaff or Classic, that's the only question. I'll tell right you, now. she breezed 
the best I've seen her breeze the other day. She's not much of a gallop out girl, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the one that's going to go forty-seven and four, then shut herself down and go one on one and three, one on two. So you don't you don't put too much stock into that time. But she did it really well. I thought she was about as sharp as I've seen her. It's interesting when they make the choice, don't you think, Bruno? Because if they put her in the classic, she won't necessarily go to the lead if she wanted to. We saw what happened in the Preakness where she had her spot and then Robbie Alvarado seized on the moment on the backstretch. That's what scares but me. If she, That's what scares me. But if she were to go in the distaff, she certainly would be in the pace scenario. I mean... It's her, it's Ollie's candy, and maybe those are the two. So I think the decision here is more than just, gee, do they go for $6 million, do they go for $2 she million? She can sit off the base. She yeah, can I'm sit right behind that. Ollie's candy and watch where Monomoy Girl is. So mm-hmm. I just don't trust Robbie Alvarado. I'm sorry. And Peter Callahan, the owner, told me the other day they have no reason to take him off. I know. I just don't trust him. Okay. You know, I'm just... You know, I mean, uh, he, we'll see what happens. But, uh, hey, I heard a rumor, and this is totally off to another subject. A new shooter in the Breeders' Cup Sprint, mm-hmm. DK Metcalf. <laughs> Did you see that on Sunday night? Yeah. That was a hell of a... If you're not a football fan, you're like, what horse is named DK Metcalf? Well, he's a horse playing football in the NFL. That was amazing. He ran down a really fast player who looked behind him like, what the heck? <laughs> and then tweeted out a lot of respect for him oh. on Twitter the next day. That was. I mean, uh, that guy might have broken the 100-yard dash, you know. Um, but, yeah, DK Metcalf... Uh, will be uh, putting on, uh, I, I think they're going to try to get Tammy Fox, 98 pounds, to get on him. Buda Baker from Arizona was the uh, guy trying to finish the pick six, and here was Metcalf. He was estimated to have gone 22.64 miles per hour. He fits, going on, he fits in a thoroughbred race. In, in pads, and he had, to go, he had to go a total of 115 yards to make that play. Yeah, good run-up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. So it, to me, that was really interesting. But, <laughs> but, you know, hey, I'll tell you one thing, you know, at least Baker, you know, but a Baker got a hey, got a consolation on that pick six. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. he's getting more hype than anything else. And of course, we turn everything into a racing related, you know, uh, situation. But um, uh, what was his gallop out time? Bruce? Oh, yeah, that they was out of this world, you know. Um, quick pull up though. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I've got to see most of those horses here at um, Keeneland and and Churchill. Um, I've been looking at um, you know works across the country as well with my staff. Uh, Gerald Travato over in New York's been uh, handling um, our horses up in New York, and. Um, uh, I'm interested in what my California guys got to say. Uh, but um, I've seen about everything. A lot of the horses are coming in from Churchill. And uh, Racing with Bruno would be probably the only the only report that will have all those works. Um, I even got a sneak peek at, uh, and I'm not saying a word. Uh, me and Mary worked in company um, at uh, 
at Fairhill on the new turf course. And mm. I got a sneak peek at that. And uh, she worked in company uh, with a horse by the name of Sharing. I don't know if you've heard. Um, but, uh, I've heard of Sharing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was a very interesting. The new turf course at Fairy Hill is insane. Um, awesome looking. So a lot of different things going on. And um, I, I, if I remember correctly, you were asking me before we got on, um, about some horses you were interested in. You want to? Well, yeah. Can we? I want to go through a couple of the divisions. Why don't we start with the classic? And you got the Baffert Trio, and he's confirmed authentic. We'll go along with Improbable and Maximum Security, and so he'll have his biggest, second biggest string he's ever had in the Breeders' Cup Classic. He put four in at Del Mar a few years ago, but. As you look at them, I mean, what kind of reports are you hearing about the three Baffert? Well, I mean, I watched the I watched the majestic. Um, I'm sorry, the uh, maximum security uh, work, and it was it was uh, it was decent. Um, I have not got a chance to see authentic kind of probable. That'll get that'll happen during this week to see the videos on those, and uh, I'll get my report from Mike Miaskis on those works too as well. Mm -hmm. um, I will I, let me run a disclaimer first of all. Okay. These are not selections. Anything I talk about is basically oh, right. off works. I am not handicapped. I've not made final decisions. We still got one round of works coming up this weekend. So therefore, mm -hmm. these are not selections. Um, I want to let everybody know out there. But anyway, go right ahead. Shoot. We've mentioned the Bafferts, but and we've mentioned Swiss Skydiver, who may or may not be in the classic. But the two other short-priced horses, the other two that are shorter than 10 to 1 in futures betting, certainly Tis the Law, and also Tom's Data, the old seven-year-old. So have you seen either of those? I love my seven-year-old Tom's Data. Uh, he's doing fantastic. His last two works have been perfect. I was worried about him about four weeks ago. I saw his 101 and 2, and I went, and eh, you know, but I knew... I, I know well enough, and I've been around enough, that other people would have said, I don't think Tom Zeta is doing that great. He's a month away. You know, a month away, and he works a one-on-one and two. You can't worry about that because, that you know, the race right. isn't going to be run next week. You know what I'm saying? Back then. So, you know, I've, I learned this from watching Charlie Whittingham. He had a filly that was an absolute uh, a fantastic mare named Flawlessly. And mm -hmm. this is 1990s. Okay. And he would work her in the morning, and she worked like the wheels were going to come off, washed out, wasn't just not striding out. And she would work in 101, 102, 115, and I would be worried. And I first started seeing this, you know, but she had multiple times that she came back up a long layup. And I would be worried. And then 10 days out, he'd work her 5'8 and 59, and she was as smooth and silky and awesome as she was. And she'd run right off the screen in her next start, in her, in her comeback. I learned that a lot of the times trainers, good trainers, know how to get their horses ready. 
Al Stahl Jr. isn't going to push Tom's Dita back in late September, early, early October to be ready for a race on the first week in November and put him in a position to work fast. He's going to give him a good foundation. So you just kind of look at those works and you go building block, building block, you know, he's the bottom set of Legos in your, uh, in your, uh, in, 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 in what you're putting together. And you just keep putting a Lego out on top of the other Lego and you're building something. And then all of a sudden two works back, he was six, seven behind Oak Hill and some maiden. And, and the whole drill was for him to make a run at him. They went to the wire in like 47 and change and, Tom's at Todd is just sitting back behind them. And a lot of people would right there would stop and, and look away. Oh, he got beat in the drill. That's not how Stahl trains. He, t- he trains really past the wire. A lot of trainers train past the wire. Um, and all of a sudden, within three strides, Tom's at Todd is splitting those horses. He's got a length on him at the, at the seven-eighths pole, and then he's got nine lengths at the three-quarter pole. And Oh, he's back. And then this week, he put him on the outside of Oak Hill. Oak Hill is a good turf horse. But the desired effect is to be going easy early, to give him about a 48, 47, and 4, and then let him finish, you know, and and pull away, give some confidence, and get some ready. And sure enough, he pulled away in 59 and 4 and and 12 and change and galloped out super. So he's got one more work. Um, It's probably not going to be a earth-shattering work, but he's ready. And, and, and that's sometimes having the experience to not make a decision way too early when it's, you're not, you know, you know, one thing drives me nuts is I watch these guys want to make a decision on a, on a horse they're going to bet on a month away. You know, and why don't you watch the way they come in into the race? You know, what is, I mean, what's the hurry? And, and for me, I've learned that lesson is, is that you watch a work, you watch how they come out of the work into the next work, and then you judge that work. And that's how you put a real workout to report together, not this, you know, garbage that gets put out by, by the competition, you know. So um, I just feel that I, you know, that my experience, I use my experience instead of my gambling instincts. Got it. My experience in horses. Most clockers are using gambling instincts, and you can't do that. For instance, on Tom's data, one of the things I look at is he lost the Whitney at the break. So anything that happened after that, I'm like, well, he lost it at the break. But, Ron, I, I take that a different way. Okay. Well, that's where I'm going with this because I said, as a gambler, I'm looking at that. But you're looking at everything that's happened since as well and putting some context to and that. before, I kind of felt that, you know, when you go through Saratoga and you go through all that, that he did, he had a big race, race before. The next time out, the, when, when a horse breaks slow, there's a reason for it. When a horse stumbles at the start, there's a reason for it. And the reason for it is... They're not sharp. They absolutely are not sharp. So my whole point in there is that I felt there was a reason that he ran a bad race because he wasn't mentally or physically sharp for that race. 
So what did Stahl do? He didn't use that race as a, as a, uh, as, as a barometer. They, oh, well, he broke slow. He's backed off on him. He saw mm, okay. he, he saw it. And, 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 and he saw that the horse basically was maybe starting to tail off form. I look at, you know, when I look at uh, horses working or even racing, um, and I see a horse that is usually a really sharp uh, horse out of the gate, um, and all of a sudden they don't break from the gate or they stumble, or here's my favorite, is when they're actually um, – when they're actually finishing in the lane and they show you the wanting to drift. That drifting means they're getting tired. That drifting means they might be almost going off form. I when I when I really when I was first starting in the game, I did everything. I did the um I, I, I worked for the racing times and I was clocking in the morning and doing the charts in the afternoon so i was actually calling uh charts and i really spent a lot of time looking at head-ons and ron you've been on our zoom classes we spent a lot mm -hmm. of time on that and i went i started correlating bat horses going off form with horses that were either drifting late in their races not breaking sharply not looking as good as the time before. Because when you're calling races, you're calling every race at that meet. And, and you, you're, you're making the charts. So you're watching every horse. So by having your notes, and if you do it well, you actually, you know, and I have always been blessed at having a very, very good mind. And I can tell you that I can, I can re rewind the work in my head and see it in my head of a horse that maybe worked three, four years ago that really made an impression on me last week, last month. And that's why I can process and look at a horse on the track and come back and say, that horse looked better last time out. Or this horse is improving and coming around. So when I'm watching that and I see Tom to top break slow, that to me, that to me, right away said he's going off form. And what did Alstall do? Just terrific horsemanship. He gave him the time, and he brought him on slowly, knowing that if he did too much too soon, they would go the other way on you. And I and and people can validate what we're seeing because the way I write it. So that's my thought on Tom's the top. I'm going to steal some of this. I have Al Stahl on my podcast this week, so <laughs> I'm going to steal some of this knowledge. With credit, with credit, don't worry. He's 6-1 to one here in Las Vegas. You can get him 8-1 to one overseas. I think that's a, that's a horse I'm going to take a long, hard look at, and certainly. How about Art Collector? You didn't forward. mention him. Well, Art Collector's not going in the Classic. That's why I didn't mention him. Okay. He's going, he's going in the dirt mile. Before we got off the classic, have you seen Tis the Law? And he works. Yeah, in terms of I saw the, the the video of him working at one thirteen and two over uh, five forty five track at Keeneland. Um, I mean, 
which Tesla law are we going to get? Are we mm -hmm. going to get the Tesla law that ran and beat Uncle Chuck in the Travers? Or are we going to get Tesla law that had that rough lead switch in the Derby and, and basically backed right on out? Uh, really, what's really depending is how he trains and how he moves in his next work when they actually ask him to run. Because I didn't think he really did anything the other day. He went 49, 113, and out in 25G. May sound like he did a lot, but he need, but no. Nah, he went too easy early, and he was not put to the pressure to finish down the lane. We're going to get to see down the lane when he switches leads how he's, he's doing. I like to see horses that switch leads smoothly and quickly and, and do it without any um, any encouragement. Um, I've just seen so many times horses that – Go down the line. Go down. That was a great example. There was one horse. Uh, his name is Editor. Uh, no, not Editor at Large. Um, oh, it's a uh, Chad Brown horse. I'm going to tell you right now who that is. Um, but anyway, what I saw was he was working outside of another horse um, for um, for Chad on the turf. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not that. That wasn't Chad Brown. I was formally and speak to me of summer for Christophe Clement. Okay. That's the that's the drill. If you go and watch that drill with Plum Ali and speak of summer on the 25th of October, they're only going half a mile. Well, Plum Ali switched leads three times down the stretch. When left, right, went right, left, right, and then I think flipped back to left past the wire again, if I'm not mistaken. One of those each is correct. When you're turning for home, you switch to the right. However, when a horse keeps switching leads, they're telling you they're not comfortable. And, mm -hmm. and when they're going back and forth, they're not comfortable. Um, it's like you having a big bag and you're walking through the airport. And you walk five feet, you put the bag down, grab it with the other hand. And then you walk, you put right. it in, and yet, you know, you're not comfortable carrying that bag. And it, and right. and and it's all about comfortability, and I need to see what Pizda Law can do when he is switching leads because he obviously wasn't comfortable switching leads in the Derby, and you can really see it on the head-on when he lugged in and he stayed on that left lead, and Manny Franco had to jerk his head off to get him to switch, and I hate that. I think riders that do that have no idea what they're doing to a horse. Let the horse be comfortable. And a lot of the times when these guys take the head of the horse and they snatch it down so you'll switch leads, they usually flatten out. Well, let's not forget about Art Collector that you brought up for the Dirt Mile. The big question is, is Vacoma going to go there? George Weaver had suggested that they were leaning sprint and not dirt miles, so that could leave it to complexity. You were talking about Chad Brown horses. The Kelso winner from earlier this month could make him the favorite, although I think you're looking at a tepid favorite in this race at best. It's going to be loaded. I love something you're in the mile, and I'm not going to talk about it right now. They'll be uh, in the public. I wouldn't age. think you would at this point, but how does Art Collector look since you brought it up, sir? Oh, you know, he's done everything right. He worked the same way he did before the Derby, the same way he did before the Preakness. 
And the Preakness work was absolutely phenomenal. He went 124 and change. Um, I, I think he's, I think that there, that's another horse that I think because of the layoff, because of the injury, he, he went in, he had a huge work off that layoff. And I think he didn't come into the, to the Preakness as sharp as I, as I thought he did. Uh, he didn't break all that sharp. He got bumped around. He got pounded. He just never in a comfortable spot. He was in between horses. Just never, ever was in a position that you said, oh, he's oh, look at our collector. And I think it's a big thing. What, whatever race Vacoma goes in, I'm betting against that sucker. I don't care really? about flying boot what he's done. I'm betting against it. It's funny to see the dirt mile. It was shaping up to be heavy, and now we're starting to see, okay, well, who's really going in, who's not? Still think it's going to be a loaded race in terms of numbers. And you're going to have a loaded race with a short, short run to the turn and a short stretch. Mm -hmm. You've also got the sprint as the backup plan or maybe the primary plan for some of these same horses. We mentioned Vacoma. Yalpon is going to be in the mix in that group. He's training, he's training very well. I mean, he's done everything right. What a runner he is. What about Nashville? Have you heard anything about him? Nothing firm. He's certainly in the mix in terms of betting dollars. A lot of, I mean, I get a lot of questions on social about him. I just haven't heard anything firm yet. We'll, we'll know Wednesday when we see the pre On which one? No, not on Nashville. Okay. Nashville's getting a lot of buzz. He's fast. He's a good horse. You know, they, they, uh, Yvonne has done everything right. Just everything right. And that last race could have been a trap race. So, um, and he responded there too. Um, who else is in the spring? Diamond Oops. You've got CZ Rocket coming in from California. That's the Peter Miller. Uh, they used to be on Al Stahl Jr. I mean, that race is really interesting because I, I think a, a lot of people don't know who Yapon is, I guarantee you. Right. Um, you've never had really a, a, a sprint winner come in with two starts. Um, like Nashville, right? You've got, two two. you've got a horse coming out of a mile race that he was really good 19 years ago, Vacoma. We haven't seen him since, and he's got right. issues. Uh, and he's got the he's he he's got he's got the butterfly stroke of Mike Phelps, um, you know. And and that 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 kind of doesn't that that kind of movement just does not appeal to me when you're looking at six furlong races especially in the situations that he's coming out of. And let me ask you this about Yapon and Nashville, because they're both obviously from the Asmussen barn. How much do you look at the jockey he assigns? Do you look at that at all? I don't think it matters in the Breeders' Cup sprint, in the, in the Breeders' Cup. I mean, okay. I think, I think, I'm not sure who Tyler Gaffleone would be on, but I'd be looking for him. And if Santana's on, I got no problem with him. Look at the rider in Matoli. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Steve's very good. Did you know Steve used to be a writer? Yes, I, mean, I did he, know that. He's very good as far as getting his jocks on. Very good. Um, he better be a writer considering that family. Yeah. You better know how to ride. You better know how to train. Yeah. <laughs> you know. What else you got? Let's go to the distaff. And uh, how's Monomoy girl looking? With both eyes. <laughs> Um, she's doing everything right. I've learned to, you know, to not try to 
micromanage my opinion of her. Unless she's pulling up bad, I, I just put a circle around her. Sometimes it's easy just okay. to not just to be brainless and just say, okay, I'm not I'm not going to try to. This this really is. If it wasn't for a disqualification, she'd be undefeated. I can't. Right. Who well, am I going to tell you today? She's not going to run unless they show me something out of the norm. Gamine. Wait and see. All right. I'm not too happy. I'm not too good on Baffert and what's been happening lately and going into the Bre- in, in Breeders' Cup. No. How much of an impact do you think that has on his six horses that he's bringing? Well, it's got a lot. Because if they have one screw-up, you know, Breeders' Cup basically bans you. Look what happened to Ron Ellis. Right. So let's go to another race. Speaking of Baffert, did you see that he's putting Classier, a one-time starter, one-time winner, into the juvenile, coming off that debut win last weekend at Santa Anita? Got to bring him back in three weeks. I'm not a fan of that. It'll be three weeks, but yeah. That's too quick. On a maiden winner, first time out, I always have, have a rule that with first-time starters, I like to see them back in five to six weeks. Because people don't realize these first-time starters – these young horses are not as strong as a claimer or as an, uh, like, say, like a monomoy girl or uh, a horse that's been running steadily for the last year and a half. Um, they're, they're not that strong. They're not as strong as they are. You know, they, they, and, and, and that's why racing makes them more seasoned because they can handle more. So for me, him bringing this horse over at a last minute, because he wants to have a horse in the race? Okay. Good luck, Bob. Meanwhile, from the other side of the gender aisle on the two-year-olds, he's got Princess Noor in the juvenile fillies. She has yet to run a fast race. Interesting. I mean, she's yet to run an impressive race. They went a full second slower in the Phillies race than in the Colts race at Santa Anita. And it's not like the Colts were any good. Do you even remember the winner of the American Barrel? No, no. We, we were talking about that on your Zoom chat. And I, I said, yeah, how much do I? How much was I impressed by that race? I couldn't remember the winner. Or the horse like, that ran second. Two days later. No, I couldn't tell you. No. So. Unfortunately, I say that a lot about California racing lately. While we're on the juvenile fillies, though, Simply Ravishing will be in that field. She's simply phenomenal. Good filly. Good filly. She worked great the other day. Her last two works have been good. They're coming into Kenny McPeak's garden here. Um, she's just a good filly. Back to the boys. Jackie's warrior will be favored in the juvenile. I'm not sure he can go two turns. Mm-hmm. We covered it on our Zoom, and we'll cover it again. In your Zoom class. Yeah. Zoom that class. Was... We talked about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. You are a very, very intuitive ESPN kind of guy. Uh, we have a fantastic package for the Breeders' Cup for you. Yes, you, Ron, and other people. And um, it's both days, and you get Zoom webinar for both days on Wednesday and Thursday. You buy the package at RacingWithBruno.com. It's sixty nine ninety five. You get both cards 
and and we've got a ton of workout. It'll be huge reports. It'll be emailed to you, and you get the invite for the two-nighter webinar that we're going to do. And and you know, I'll tell you one thing that's been a lot of fun is actually talking to people. Uh, you've been on a few of them. You've showed up. Uh, you've been mm -hmm. on board. Um, you know, I, I, sir, skipper. Um, and, um, it's, well, let, let me ask you, what has been your impression of those zooms that we've done? The thing for me though, on those zoom calls is if you have trip notes and you're taking notes on certain horses and you say to yourself, I want to look at that horse next time out, do not put a period on your own trip notes before you have a chance to see these webinars because your notes are incomplete until you've seen the webinar on certain horses. Obviously, not covering all 180 some odd horses that are going to be in the Breeders' Cup, but the ones that are covered, you owe it to yourself to see that, especially where you see the analysis and almost the frame by frame of previous races, both on this pan view and the head on view. And you think you saw a race? You think you saw a race? Maybe you didn't see everything in that race. And that's where these webinars really come in handy. And so you talked about a horse like Simply Ravishing, where you've gone over video of her most recent races, and you say, okay, well, why is she maybe more than meets the eye? Well, you show us. Because what you do show us is how it does meet the and eye. And without so giving it away, mm -hmm. I think we were able to analyze the possible winner of the Philly and Mare Turf. Oh, yeah, that's right. I know, and I, I'll, I'll keep yeah. the yeah. hand close to the vest. <laughs> so if you sign up, purchase the, the Breeders' Cup package, um, I will send you a welcome email, um, and, um, and then uh, you will receive the products and the invite, uh, for the a week from tomorrow, uh, the the we the Wednesday webinar will be for Friday's races, and then Thursday webinar will be for Saturday's races. We have a great time, and and let's say you, hey Ron, let's say you can't make it. Let's say you can't make the webinar because you're having a big dinner. Right. Uh, shame on you. Number one. Well, but, I eat heavily. But. Since you bought the package, you're going to get a link so you can watch it on your time. Ah, excellent. So that's good. Go to racingwithbruno.com and sign up uh, for the um, for the Breeders' Cup webinar, and you get all the bells and whistles, and you get to see us talk about it and see what Ron is mentioning. And pretty soon, uh, I think it's going to be a fun Breeders' Cup. I do, too. It's going to be an odd one, but we've, we've gotten used to odd. We're all up to speed on that. We're, Once hey, listen, hey, Ron, we're rounding the corner on oddity of 2020. Yeah, well. Because I tell <laughs> let you, me pretty, know when soon, it's over. pretty soon it's going to be 2021. That's right. So, That's right. So we can't blame 2020 anymore. After that's right. December 31st. When they drop the big middle finger on Times Square on December 31st, oh. that'll be when we know 2020 is over with. Oh, man. I'm really glad that you feel better. You sound better. I was really worried about you for a couple of days. Um, and um, wear your mask on Zoom just to make sure. <laughs> 
You were telling me to do that before the pandemic. Should I take a message from that? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what? You know one thing about me. I'm a huge. I have the true making of a smartass. You? Yeah. Breaking news. Let me write this down. <laughs> Ron, it's been a pleasure again. I think we covered everything. Um, go to racingwithbruno.com and go ahead and buy your package and um, for Breeders' Cup and uh, join us on the webinar. To me, that's like going to the track, to be honest. Do you know that? It does have that feel. It really does. That community that's on the webinars, and if you're not part of it, you really are leaving yourself out. Get involved, and you'll feel like you're back at the track again. Yeah, it's a little sense of normalcy in this strange year. Except for iPad. <laughs> you don't. You don't take an iPad to the track. No, that, that we had a uh, guy that was on his iPad. Oh, iPad. that's right. Oh, you mean the guy named iPad? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to say what I thought he was doing during the show. I thought he was constipated. <laughs> That was one of those guys who never had an unspoken thought, and unfortunately, he didn't put his microphone on mute for the benefit of the rest of the call. Yep, absolutely. Hey, the, uh, my first Zoom we had, first couple of Zooms we had, we had a couple fighting, arguing, and fighting during the Zoom. Yeah, I wish you hadn't taken that link down, Bruno. I was enjoying watching that for the fifth or sixth time. <laughs> anyway, well, Ron, it's always a pleasure. Glad you're feeling great. Looking forward to this week and we're going to talk next week about the the, the uh, pre-entries and the draws and everything that's going on and uh, it's always a pleasure to spend an hour with you likewise racingwithbruno.com get your package today I've only got limited spots available I can only get 99 of you on my zoom so we're getting close get your package and get on board Get more from Bruno by going to RacingWithBruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.